Fabregas. It's Nasri. Can he go all the way here? Still Nasri. Looks for a shot Alright, welcome back to this edition of Transatlantic Arsenal. I'm Liam. And I'm Mike. And it is Monday, February 24th, night time. Uh, we'll start off this episode talking a little bit about the Olympiacos result in midweek, and then we'll talk a little more about our result against Everton. Um, the two wins, I'll start off with there. And then we'll drop that phone. <laughs> you good? Yes, I'm good. So. So we'll start off. Uh, yes, yeah, so two wins. Um, Olympiacos won that game one nil. Uh, Mike, you didn't see a ton of that, correct? Just the goal. Just the goal. Well, I watched most of it, and uh, yeah, without getting too in depth, we uh, we won one nil. I think it was a little flattering in the end. I think uh, most people would say we were definitely lucky to win one nil. Um, we probably would have been lucky to draw. With that said, it's a, a win. It's We didn't concede any goals. We got one away goal, and I will take that back to the Emirates for this Thursday. Um, for many of us, the Champions League is pretty much what we're used to, but we're getting used to this Europa League thing, and that means that we play the second, le- or the, yeah, the second leg in the week directly after the first week. So it will be this Thursday for everyone uh, at the Emirates. Um, like I said, I don't want to... Two things about that. One is that any away win in Europe is good, especially in a hotbed like Olympiacos because Greece is a tough place to go. And the only other thing I'd say about that is um, I think if we win, and correct me if I'm wrong, we might have done it this this last game, but I think it's this next game, we'll actually set a record, beat, beat a record set by Tottenham of winning the most Europa Leagues by any games by any English team. Which I'm not sure is a record you really want to have, but we might have it. Like of all time? Yeah. Most Europa League wins of all time? Of all time by an English club. Wow, that's pretty depressing. It is. It but is. also suspicious. Anyways, yeah, so that's that. I mean, we could go in a little bit more, but I think we'll go into more detail after the next game, um, like I said, on Thursday. Uh, but we're taking a 1-0 lead, and I think we've positioned ourselves well, so we'll see how we take that home. On to more interesting issues or matters. Um, we just beat Everton 3-2 yesterday on Sunday um, in what was a really cracking game. Uh, we we played pretty well offensively, in my opinion, and then defensively we were suspect. Um, Mike, you saw some of it, correct? Yeah. Are just the extended highlights. Okay, so what were your thoughts? And then I'll, I'll give you mine. Um, look, I'm going to be an Arsenal fan, right? I am an Arsenal fan. I think I should advocate for us when we play well. Um, when we don't, I'm going to call them on it. <clears throat> From what I saw, yeah, we gave up a few chances. But I've heard a lot of people questioning, um, you know, the overall result. And we could have done this and we could have done that. The fact is, we didn't. We won. Fact is, I think Calvert-Lewin's goal probably should have been disallowed. I think 
uh, even Stevie Nickel on ESPN Plus said that he thinks he kicked the side of Luis's head when it went in. And I've seen goals disallowed for that plenty less than that. Um, that's a great goal, by the way. I don't want to take that away from Calvert-Lewin, but it's just the definition of dangerous play. So that you know that could have gone for us, didn't. Uh, and Kedia hit the bar at three-two. Uh, that probably would have taken the game away, took, put the game away. I think it was in Kedia. Uh, was it yes. just before it went off? Yeah. Yep. And, um, and so, you know, I, I want to look at the positives and the positives I'm seeing is, and, and we said this last week, I'm saying it again, same group of players getting better results, playing more like a team, playing for each other, playing for the manager. And in the case of Granit Xhaka, believe it or not, I think somewhat playing for the fans and giving us what we want. And, you know, for me, I keep using it as a reference because I think he's a measure and a I sound actually, I don't know, going too long, but I've got to tell you this. Remember the beginning of the season, what I say? Actually, beginning of Emery's reign and then the beginning of this season. What's he going to do with Xhaka? Is he going to define who he is as a, as a manager? Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I love bringing Xhaka up because honestly, I'm, I'm giving him a lot of credit right now. And, and I, I know the people that, that I've slated him and they've been, you know, I think I'm a Xhaka hater. Well, I wasn't. I was a Xhaka, hate the way he played fan i just didn't like it and now i'm giving him props and i still don't think he's a world beater but man anybody that puts a shirt on and goes out and works as hard as he's working right now i've got to give him credit and i think if you want a really good analogy between the two managers that's the one uh, probably you would use Ozil too right as a po- possible analogy oh absolutely yeah and then the one i think you can't use and i know we're going to get slayed a bit for this or i will but is David Luiz because I think he's been crap before and I think he's still pretty crap. Um, yeah. But, but what a great ball for a Bama Yang's goal. So do you yeah, have you a goal? The, you got the good with the bad in about, right. you know, 40 minutes or whatever it was. So 30 so, minutes. Uh, let me ask you a question because, I, like I said, I'm not qualified to answer this. You, did you see the whole game? Yeah. It, did, what was his 90-minute effort like, David Luiz? I mean, his effort was pretty solid um but you much like his partner you're always just kind of waiting to see what could go wrong and i mentioned this to you and i'm gonna mention it to everyone else you know a good good pass on the second goal um i mean that's what you love to see from him that's what you know he's capable of but uh kolasinic played everybody on on the first goal so that was pretty pretty crap really bad on his part but after that you'd like your center back to just go up and head a ball, clear it out, and he just comes off his shoulder, and then he gets mad at other people for not tracking their runners when they're playing an offside trap, and then he kind of just gets all spazzy and pouty, and I don't want to get into him too much, but it's just like typical stuff that you've seen out of him now when we concede, and it's getting a little bit frustrating to watch just because I don't think that's what we need, but, um, you know, to answer your question, I think he was, he was, he was David Luiz, but he was a little more into the game than sometimes. Well, um, you know, so what I want to ask you then is, right, so he's pouting, right? And he's running around, having a go at everybody. So you say, uh, I didn't see that part. But Directly I, after the goal. It wasn't like the whole yeah, game. So I, I can well imagine. Yeah, but here's the point. So how long did it last? How long did people respond? How did people respond to it? And, you know, I think it somewhat tells you about the improving character of the team. And like I said, I'm not getting all gushy here. 
but it got to tell you something about the improving character of the team that, what, 20 minutes later, we went and scored. And then 12 minutes after that, we scored again, or however many minutes between the goals. So all I'm saying to you is, is in some ways, <clears throat> maybe that's part of a team that wants to win. Even the guy that makes a mistake starts yelling at everybody else. Because it's just like, I see a little bit more of a winning mentality. And sometimes a winning mentality is being a bad loser and not wanting to accept that you know, things went wrong. In some cases, and I'm not saying I advocate it or I condone it, but Henri was the world's worst at that. Don't you remember that? Yeah. Henri would, Henri would just lose possession and he would just start yelling at people. Mm-hmm. But the guy, you know, he motivated people. He was just, he was just good at that. So, I don't know. I mean, again, I'm trying to, uh, I'm not going to use the old terminology that you hate, but I am looking at it through a somewhat tinted lens. Um, <laughs> I just want to understand. I want, I want to take more positives. This is a time when we got to be positive. We really need to be positive as a group, as fans, as a team. And I, I think the team are finally doing their part. And I will tell you that it's, it's like the most refreshing thing for me. I actually read something today that says, uh, it's actually almost fun being an Arsenal fan again. And I think that's very, very um, profound because we've had no fun supporting Arsenal for the last probably at least a year. Since since the Europa League, it's been a disaster. And, uh, it's well, speaking been... of fun and old times and, you know, whatnot, um, if you had had those tinted coloured glasses on that you couldn't see real well out of um, and you saw that, David Luiz Pasco to a certain striker and you could somehow pick up the number on his back and the finish that he created. It reminds you of someone, doesn't it? Hello. Um, oh, the goal? Yeah. Bamiyang scoring? Yeah, the way he scored? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was, uh, that was very Henri-esque. It really was. Yeah, and he's yeah. honestly he's playing really well right now and he, he really does, you know, lick head and shoulders above uh, some of his teammates who are playing well, but uh, he is truly class, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a struggle to hold on to him. So for right now, I think we definitely need to you know follow your lead and enjoy some of the stuff we're watching. Uh, with that being said, it wasn't all smooth sailing. Uh, the last you know, twenty minutes after basically after Enkedia hit the crossbar post combo, um, they pretty much dominated, and you know. You could say we were lucky. We definitely were because Calvert-Lewin should have scored, if not once or twice, maybe even three times. Uh, but, you know, we just finished three games in seven days. Uh, Oteta stressed that quite a bit. And we won all three of them. So uh, the guys are probably tired in the last 20 minutes, especially guys like um, what is it, probably Mustafi, uh, Yang. Can't remember if Jack had played all three, but all those guys that played all three games are um, going to be pretty tired. And unfortunately for them, they're going to have four more days and they're going to have to be ready again. So, uh, as far as the game, uh, how much more do you have to add? Anything? No, they'll win. Um, great goals, all three of them. Um, Saka coming on, kind of feel bad for Kalasnetch, but um, <clears throat> honestly, I, I hate to say this because it's just bandwagon earing, but. But the quality of that ball, you know, if you think about some of the dross we've had to watch over the last... I was just thinking you know, the same thing. And I kind of got... I, I love the guy. He's one of my favorite players, but I kind of got to include Nacho a little bit in that. You know, Nacho wasn't a bad cross for the ball, 
but really, you know, some of the stuff we've had to watch. I mean, and then to be fair to those bat, those fullbacks, Kolasinac and Nacho and Kieran Gibbs and um, uh, the others, Clichy, Clichy. even. Um, this guy is a winger. So, and actually, Cole was a winger, by the way, when when he was playing, he was actually a striker for us. So, um, it, it just seems to be, I guess, the quality of crossing is going to be somewhat dependent on what that player who plays left back has been used to doing. But I oh, was that ball was just exquisite. I mean, yeah. it just completely took the defender out of the game. In a, and, uh, a good it run, a fantastic and finish. finish. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't an easy finish either, by the way. No, really good finish. So yeah, I mean it's it's just fun to watch that now. I, mm-hmm. I just I just find it. You know, I'm not never going to complain about the fact that we didn't look that solid in defense. Well, my final takeaways on the last week and the last three games is that um, you know midweek I think that team was a little bit of a jumbled mess of players that hadn't really played together. Socrates at right back, um, and I just think you know we just got the job done. And I think the two league games, uh, it's clear that we're doing something offensively. We've got some sort of plan. And I'm not sold defensively. And again, I don't want to go down into the negative side. But I do want to just pedal the brakes. You referenced it. And I'm not really going after you, but I'm kind of going after a lot of other people. Everything it seems to be right now is what great character we've showed in that game. And, you know, and I just want to kind of temper that. But at the same time, I do just want to say that it, it is definitely fun again. And we uh, look like, at the very least, we've got an idea of what we're doing when we're in possession of the ball. So, with that, uh, did you happen to watch any of Arteta's post game? Uh, yeah, real small snippet about. Uh, don't know if I watched it or I read it. I, I think I watched. Um, him talking about the importance of Aubameyang and how he hopes he doesn't go to Barcelona. <clears throat> um, and I know I read somewhere something along the lines of he feels like um, we were tired a little bit, but we've definitely kind of got the grasp of what he's trying to do. We just got to do it better. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. But what I grabbed from that is um, he, he praised on... Aubameyang, he referenced that he, he didn't know a whole lot about where he thought his head was. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this because I think it's interesting and ultimately I come away with a question for Well, you. let me just say, on the contrary, I actually think he, he actually said, and tell me if I'm wrong, I think he actually said he was pretty uncertain that he had, or he wasn't sure, which I think is his way of saying, he wasn't real sure that he could do what he wanted him to do. Would you say that was probably kind of what As he was a- trying to say? As a result of he didn't know where his head was at. Right. Okay. I mean, I didn't, I'm just saying that I, it, I got the impression it was more like I've looked at this guy and I just don't know if he's got the, if he's got the desire to do it. If that means where his head is, then I guess it's the same thing. Yeah, no, because ultimately what he said for most of the press conference was that he didn't know if he was interested in working for a team that has let, let him down repeatedly and that he's head and shoulders uh, in terms of quality, he's out of their league. And that's where I'm getting at with this question because he also said the same thing to a lesser degree about Ozil and basically saying he needed to figure out if they were willing to get on board uh, in reference to them being checked out because they've been let down so many times in the past. 
And that's what I got from it. Maybe I, I read that wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's correct. And I thought that was interesting. And so I kind of wanted to know how you felt about that as an Arsenal fan, because I can tell you what, how I felt, but I want to get your thoughts first. <clears throat> um, so I didn't see enough of that to, to get that that point. So you're saying that he felt Bamiyang was like, you know, felt like he was just a, an oasis, like everyone else was kind of not really putting in the effort. Is that what you're saying by letting him down? Like as a team, we just haven't worked Just in terms enough. of results. No, I don't even know. I mean, I think working hard, you and I might say that that's why we've been so bad recently is like, you know, we, I don't know, what it, whatever. He's basically saying this team, Arsenal, in his time here, he's now at 29, 30, and now 31 years of age, prime years. He's been here and we haven't really done anything with him. And so maybe he's kind of just like, okay, I need to move on. And what he was getting at is that we right now are not good enough to have a player that's not bought in. So he had to figure out whether he thought Aubameyang was capable of buying in. Regardless of how good he is, he needs guys who are ready to buy in. And he had to sit down and talk with Aubameyang about it. But my question again is, how do you feel about the fact that he basically is like, we owe this guy and we've got to get him to work in our system, but we've also got to prove to him that he should stay here and that he can fit in the system. You want you don't want to know what I'm going to say about that? Hmm. 1997, one Dennis Bergkamp got us basically into the UEFA Cup on his own that season. Scored a goal at the end of the season against Bolton, I believe, that made us win 2-1. We had a win to finish. In, which in those days, by the way, in the in the nineties, late nineties, getting the UEFA Cup was a big deal, mm-hmm. and we actually ended up in the final, I think, that year. But um, actually, not that year. But anyway, um, and uh, then we built that team around the genius of Bergkamp because they just the the rest of that squad just thought the guy walked on water, and and you know, like a, you're exactly right in in that analogy is is like, why doesn't the rest of this team just look at Aubameyang and say to themselves, this guy is like incredible. If we can just give him a little support here, yeah, he could do amazing things for us. And yeah, I think maybe that's, is that what you're trying to say? Sort of, that's Arteta's point. Why haven't, why haven't the team done that regardless of who the manager is and all that? Is it kind of what you're trying to say? Um, I'm not trying to say that. I don't think that's really what Arteta was saying, but, um, I think he, I, he basically he lauded Aubameyang the whole time. If that kind of goes to what you're saying, but I was just very interested in the fact that he basically called out our lack of success and said that we've got to be better, but that this guy's got to buy into us, and that that's why he was he had some kind of thoughts on whether Aubameyang was going to be able to really contribute for us. I was just interested to see how you thought about how, you know, um, Arteta kind of exposed us. What you thought of it? Um, yeah. Uh, I think that's supposedly what he's been doing. Yeah. Uh, from what I've read, he's basically done that in private. Maybe he's done it right there a little bit in public. Uh, if he's done it in public, I think he's very measured about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and very making making very sure that nobody's taking offence, just understanding the message. Um, and I think it, yeah, again, I'm I'm an old fart, so I'm going to give you some analogies. Um, I remember Ian Wright 
just wondering whether he was even worthy to be on the same pitch as Bergkamp. I think there's a guy that won the Golden Boot in the Premier League like two out of the previous three seasons before Bergkamp got there. Um, guys like Ray Parler, Lee Dixon, Seaman, Winterburn, all these guys like seasoned internationals, great players, um, had won a league in previous uh, decade against Liverpool in that Anfield match and then another one after in 91. And a guy, <clears throat> this foreign guy shows up and they're like, God, this guy is unbelievable. And they, they gave him so much respect because immediately he put his effort into being as good as he could for Arsenal and he just raised the level of the team. So I think I hadn't ever thought about that. This question come up and that would be, you know, my off the cuff answer is maybe he understands that dynamic of Bergkamp. And then, of course, it did happen later as well with Henri because, you know, Henri carried that team, that that 2002 and 2004 winning league winning teams on his back by scoring so many goals that, you know, it was hard to say that you could have ever done it without him. But that was mm-hmm. a team of people. All of them were good players. All of them contributed, but... Take his goals away. Take the genius of Burkamp away in the in the late nineties and early two thousands, and and you've got you know probably a completely different result. So I hope that's Arteta's message. It's like yeah, you just got this guy right now who's who's on fire. Why can't we let him take us to another level? Yeah, and I I kind of took two things from it. The first was it's nice that we've kindly got a guy who seems to realize that we aren't where we need to be and i'm not saying Wenger didn't get that or emery didn't get that but arteta seems to be the most transparent about it and letting the players know that they're not where they need to be and i think that's something that i took as like kind of a breath of fresh air from that that press conference and then the other thing that i have to wonder if maybe he said it was to kind of let abomiang know publicly that Arteta A is impressed with him, and B he's he's doing what he can for him, uh, maybe to try and keep him on board. But that was more secondary observation. Yeah, but I mean that could be his primary objective because yeah. I guess he's doing it behind closed doors. Um, and so you know, getting onto a couple of things I read too, like Ganduzi is apparently uh, gaffed a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Both uh, Arteta and Edu have let him know that it's unacceptable. Um, mm-hmm. Torreira isn't starting for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, well, that was the next point. Right. And then, you know, you've got uh, guys like um, Willock and uh, Martinelli, um, a couple of others that have, have, you know, been given a chance a little under Emery and then uh, under, um, under Arteta at the beginning um, and then have just been benched. Um, and I don't think anybody's taken it personally. I think that that Arteta's uh, message is consistency from mm-hmm. him and what he wants back from the players. And I, and I also think, you know, like we you know, play golf, right? And if you, you can have a good round of golf or a bad round, but if you're sort of swinging the right way and you're playing, so for your college team, whatever it might be, um, you know, you might get benched one game. It doesn't mean that your, man, your coach thinks that you, 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 they're never going to play again or whatever. It's just like, there's one guy who just played well and and you didn't play well today. And I'm just gonna sit here and put him in. And uh, there was a another saying about 
the most important players in the uh, squad in the Invincibles and the uh, <clears throat> earlier team was um, players 12 through 15. Back in those days, you know, that, that was the, I think it was three subs or something, or four subs. And they were talking about it, that everybody, including those four or five guys that weren't necessarily starting, had to be on board. So, yeah, all of that goes along with the message, I think, that Arteta is trying to spread, which is this is a we thing, not a me thing or a you thing. Yeah. All right, so, yeah, I just found that interesting. And then kind of last point uh, for me was Tobias. Yeah. You know, you haven't watched a ton of the game, so it's kind of hard for you to figure that out. But maybe you can just give an idea and then I'll give my thoughts as someone that's watched. Um, any any thoughts on why Ceballos is playing instead of Torreira? Well, exactly what we just talked about. So I think he's bought into it and apparently he didn't either. So, you know, this could be some sort of epiphany thing that yeah, these guys are just waking up one day and saying, I get it, you know, I didn't, but now I do. And, um, you know, because Ceballos bought on board or bought on, got on board because, uh, you know, he's better than Torreira or because Torreira's not bought on, bought in. Yeah, I can't answer that. I don't think anybody can except Arteta, but yeah. I think it's, there's a clear message there, which is, I think yeah, Arteta's saying to everybody that's not starting, I think this guy's bought in, bought in more than you have. And mm-hmm. it, and it is a really good one. It's Socrates. I mean, what is he doing on the bench? Yeah, with, with Nastafi and the Weiss playing, and um, you know maybe Arteta is also in some. I don't think this is any part of his motivation, but it might be part of his satisfaction. He's sticking it to us a little bit too, because you know me, you, and I'm sure fifty percent plus of the Emirates Stadium would have been happy if he'd sold Luis, Mustafi, Jacker. And Urzil in the transfer window, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just being honest. I mean, I don't want to be yeah. wrong, but I am. Uh, I was. I mean, he is saying to these to these to the crowd and the fans, look, you know, these guys can play. They just need a chance. They just need a chance. They need to be given, you know, an opportunity to play well for us, and they will play for you. This just that. And I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think he's trying to be mean, but he's just kind of saying the, the last manager was just clueless. And Arsene was a little clueless towards the end of his reign. And, it, and if you think about that too, who's more qualified to know that, right? Arteta played under Wenger. He knew everything about the way we trained, about everything that Wenger did. And he's gone to, to Man City. He's seen what Guardiola's done. And he must be thinking to himself, they're not doing any of this. Yeah, down down in London, they're not doing any of this. It, it, you know, he, he must have been making mental notes for the last three years on all the things that that they do that we don't. So, and I don't think he really knew much about what Emery did, but it was apparent, I think, in the results and the manner of the performances that Emery obviously didn't have a good plan either. So, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with the guy, uh, and I and I think that's the message on the training field. Don't argue with me. Yeah, you guys have sucked, right? I'm telling you how you're going to get better. Either you buy in, or I'm going to find people that will. I think that's a pretty, pretty solid theory. Yep, I agree, and I think uh, you know maybe it's working because on a three-game roll here, and uh, hopefully make it four. Um, you got anything to add on this game in midweek? I know last week you mentioned that uh, it was going to be an absolute obliteration. 
I'm not sure it was quite that, but maybe you can say that again and we'll win 1-0, 2-0 well, overall. Obviously, I was talking about in the over the two games, you know. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to say we're going to go to, to Greece and win 4-0 because, you know, any win's a good win in Europe, away, any win. So, um, now, you know, we got to also bear in mind, though, that we've gaffed pretty badly at home. So, yeah. uh, worst-case scenario is we concede early because... If that happens, you know, now we're subject subject to them scoring again, and now we got to get three. So, which we've been very capable of of blowing up in the last few years. So, you know, at one one we're very vulnerable, and uh, at, at obviously nil one or anything like that, at two one we're still vulnerable. So, um, you know, we know that. Uh, I think that's another great um, lesson. I think Arteta is going to try and teach him is how to handle that game, and. Um, to be honest with you, I'm not sure that Unai really was that good at that. To be fair to the guy, he got us to the final. So um, I didn't think we really looked in too much trouble in most of those games back in the uh, last season. Am I wrong about that? Did we ever look like we might go out? I don't believe so. I think maybe the round of 32 or was the closest I think we ever really came. This year, right? Yeah. Last year, I think we kind of cruised through, really, mostly. That's what I was talking so, about. I think the round yeah. of 32 was actually the closest game. I mean, we went 1-0 down to Barte. Was that it? And we yeah, we lost at home to um, Cologne, too, right? Yeah, some one of those two games. Yeah, you're right. I was really more talking about, I, again, I don't want to diss Emery if, you know, he did he did get us the Europa League final, for God's sake. I mean, you can't tell, you know, say he was crap, but when the big game came, you know, he didn't really get it right. So um, I think Arteta's got a lot of experience to bring. And I think he um, he is basically telling the players to show the fans that they're on board with him because he wears Arsenal on his sleeve. His badge and his art is on, is on his sleeve and he's showing everybody, look, I'm not messing around here. You're either in or you're out. Yeah. And, uh, I think as fans, it's very, very... Refreshing and pretty exciting, actually, to be honest, yep. to yep. to actually have somebody that thinks that way. So. Yep. Well, that's. I think that's it for this one. Uh, it was a little shorter, but um, you know, we we got some work that we got to take care of, and so um, we'll talk to you guys after, maybe after the Olympiacos game. Again, we said that last week, and we didn't come through, but uh, you know, we'll just see how it plays plays out. So. No. All right. All right, guys. Talk to you later. All right.